channel marketers have a lot of changes in store and we're seeing so many emerging and trending factors and converging trends that are changing how we look at the market every day and how we play a role in terms of making all this work. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the B2BMX podcast. Today we'll be taking another look back at a past session from our B2BMX online experience, and it's called Harnessing the Big Bang, Strategies to Execute Channel Marketing in Fast Expanding Ecosystems. It was presented by Jay McBain, Principal Analyst of Channels, Partnerships, and Ecosystems at Forrester. And honestly, he's the ultimate channel marketing guru. We always love having Jay share his expertise with our channel and partner marketing audience. And in this session, he kind of walks you through all of this actionable advice on the ever-changing marketing landscape and how to really participate lead and thrive in ecosystems. Jay will also walk you through how to pivot channel messaging, content, and campaigns to align with interfirm value creation. And he spotlights the rise of subscription and consumption models, plus much, much more. So let's get things going. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be back at the B2B Marketing Exchange. My name is Jay McBain from Forrester Research. And I wake up every morning thinking about channels and ecosystems and all the players uh, that play a role. Channel marketers have a lot of changes in store, and we're seeing so many emerging and trending factors and converging trends that are changing how we look at the market every day and how we play a role in terms of making all this work. So before we jump in, I always like to look at the size and scale of the market. You know, last year was a three and a half trillion dollar technology market, for example, of which almost two thirds of it went through the channel directly. Almost 90% of it was channel assistant. If you look in broader industries, almost 75% of world trade goes through indirect channels of some type or another. The difference is in the technology market, for example, every company in every industry is becoming a technology company. The level of disruption that is happening, we're reading about in magazines and watching on TV in every industry, is now coming into a technology conversation. And all of the players are starting to see technology as a way forward. So where we used to see technology channel, for example, as more of a reseller or transactional-based channel, we're starting to now see ecosystems of all kinds of companies coming in and having broader conversations non-transactional conversations, non-traditional conversations. We used to measure this market in hundreds of thousands as channel marketers. Today, we measure it in millions, with millions of more coming in. And this is the reason why. We know that as every company in every industry is looking at their own transformation, is looking at their own challenges, looking forward, doing their own changes, to get better aligned to their customers, to their partners, uh, to the employees inside, it is a technology story through and through. We know that almost two thirds of the new cloud opportunity 
is bought outside of IT. So these line of business buyers are a really important element. We're seeing companies today and a big number of companies where the head of marketing spends more on technology than the head of IT. And that marketing buyer has you know, 8,000 different MarTech companies that are in that stack. And there's whole sets of new channels, like hundreds of thousands of marketing agencies, digital agencies coming in to help them. So in terms of buyers, we look at finance and fintech stacks. We look at sales and sales tech stacks. I look at the channel and the channel tech stacks. There is all kinds of buyers and all kinds of opportunity that sits in non-traditional places where these line of business buyers now spend 51% of their time outside the firewall. Number two, sub-industries. We don't talk about healthcare anymore. We talk about mid-sized clinics with 50 doctors. Different than a dentist office, different than a small hospital, opportunities galore in terms of double-clicking from an industry perspective. Geographic, you can't sell to a mid-sized clinic in upstate New York the way you sell to a mid-sized clinic in Scotland or Japan. It changes region by region, legislation, compliance, governance, and regulation all play a role in how we nuance you know, our customer focus. Number four, we have the different sector size and segment of market. I said 50 doctors on purpose. The skills they have, the resources they have, their ability to be successful is changed by each of the size of those companies as well as the sector and segment that they're in. And then we used to look at this market as channel marketers in the tech space as hardware, software, and services. Well, today we track 26 categories and we can't have a security conversation, for example, without talking about the seven layers below that and the 17 layers below that. There are 35 million opportunities today. There are tens of thousands of vendors. There are thousands of distributors. I talked about the millions of partners. There is a lot of stuff going on. There's over 175,000 software companies today and growing. There are 800,000 emerging tech companies. The amount of scale and chaos that this is all causing in terms of the market back to that buyer is what we get to look at and what we get to solve for. We're also a year into a pandemic, which has changed and accelerated a lot of the trends. And if you look at all of the hundreds of things companies are looking to do, whether they're in uh, a K-shaped recovery like hospitality or retail or restaurants or fast-growing industries that have actually accelerated out of this pandemic, we know that the opportunities are around automation at a major scale. We're seeing huge growth in RPA, robotic process automation, and business process automation. All of these no-code, low-code environments are creating all kinds of opportunity for the channel. We know that cloud acceleration is off the charts, number two. You know, just recently, we saw Microsoft announce 50% growth of Azure year over year. That's after reporting 48 and 47. Three quarters into COVID, they're still at a 50% growth rate and continuing. Google Cloud was at 54. Recently, the head of AWS got a really nice promotion. The big SaaS companies, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Workday, Marketo, NetSuite, they're all in the 30s. The fact of the matter is we have this K-shaped recovery again, where some of the computer hardware and telco hardware is down by double digits. And you've got these cloud and, and automation categories up 50, 60, 70%. And it's two sides of the ledger for the channel. Number three, this pandemic has really created a new remote topology. 
And we know now every day we're seeing announcements of companies shutting down headquarters locations, rethinking their real estate, thinking that 20 to 30% of employees in the future are going to work in a very different way. Where in the first year of the pandemic, we had to get them laptops and, and a Zoom account. Well, now they're starting to ask the compliance and governance questions. They're asking the security and the risk questions, the continuity questions. They're starting to ask the deeper questions, which is an opportunity for the channel and the third highest spending area right now. And we know that in this K-shaped recovery, many companies, actually the majority of companies, moved out of survival mode pretty quickly, and they started to get into thrive mode. And through the pandemic, they're investing heavily in customer experience, in partner experience, in employee experience, and then doing that through digital means, e-commerce and marketplaces and things like that. So all of the channels that have been wrapped up into these four areas are seeing large double and in some cases, triple digit growth taking advantage of this huge opportunity. So let's get into all of these emerging trends. And then as channel marketers, how should we be thinking about these trends? And we know all of us wake up every morning thinking about the buyer and this changing buyer. We know that we're going through this demographic shift where in four to five years, the majority of buyers will be millennials. We know the Generation Z are now getting their first jobs out of college. We're going through that change, but at the same time, we're going through this digitization of, of selling and marketing, where the majority of buyers now want a digital or digital-only journey. We have you know, a lot of fear in the market right now that you may lose a deal without ever knowing there was a deal. And as these digital journeys take off, these buyers have more and more uh, chances to become anonymous without ever talking to a salesperson and without ever filling out a marketing form with the correct information. And then recently you have companies like Apple that's going after this consumer and B2B uh, privacy even further by allowing us to be on anonymous on the internet. And that changes a lot of the signals. It changes a lot of the moments that we've been able to see early in those journeys and now puts the reliance on partnerships. Because we know that as they go through these digital journeys, they wrap themselves around trusted advisors and influencers. And those companies are critical in terms of us getting visibility in the future and not having some of those signals come from marketing technology that we've relied on in the past. So many of our companies are gonna to start to look at us as channel marketers to go get that early information and make sure the company's doing the right thing. In terms of routes to market, we're seeing a big shift. So of the 175,000 software companies, you know, the buzz of the day is product-led growth. You know, on that Zoom call at 40 minutes when they're just about to hang up on your customer before you put in a credit card number, you know, in Slack that just got acquired by Salesforce, in Dropbox, whatever uh, PLG company you're talking about, they're starting to think through products becoming their own uh, sales and marketing departments. And how do we work as channel marketers to drive that and obviously be adjacent to that? You know, D2C, we did a big piece on the future of work recently. And the conclusion is the future of buying, the future B2B buyer is gonna look a lot like a consumer. Buying software in the future, for example, is gonna look like buying a car today through that digital journey. So there's a lot of companies starting to take another look at D2C not from the consumer dollar shave club or, or mattress perspective, but in terms of consumption 
of B2B related products, the $13 trillion that goes through B2B transactions, and how much of that could be on a consumption basis, direct with the manufacturer. And then third, obviously, this explosion of marketplaces, which I'll talk about. So number two, let's get back to that early digital journey. We know that companies and, and customers and specific buyers are consuming mountains of data to get smart about how to better you know, transform themselves, their department, how to get to business outcomes. So the eBooks and the white papers and the podcasts and the keynotes they're listening to and the boards and associations they're joining and the social groups and all of these different areas that make them smart start to wrap around a small set of super connectors or super influencers in terms of what gets them from, you know, not knowing a lot to vendor selection in a majority of the cases now. If you can avoid sales, if you can avoid traditional marketing and get to vendor selection and feel comfortable about it, that's the future of what we're facing. So as channel marketers, we have to kind of drag down this uh, chaos theory and look at those 35 million customers in the middle and start to figure out or predict who are going to earn those five spots that that customer is going to bring in on average to help them through that digital journey. And every single customer situation is different. Every market, those five vectors I went through are different. The fact of the matter, though, is the law of a few. And if you're going after mid-sized clinics in upstate New York, I can actually start drawing you what that looks like. Key people at the Chamber of Commerce in Rochester, somebody in, you know, an accountant in Syracuse, an agency in Buffalo, maybe there's a managed service provider in Albany. I could start to draw you exactly what that looks like. So I don't have to talk about millions of partners and I don't have to go recruit uh, an entire ecosystem. If that's where I want to get, I can actually go get the 50 key partners, the system integrator, a couple of ISVs, everything else to get me 80% share in that very particular market. And I want to develop as a channel marketer, a playbook that I can do this over and over. Every time my company gives three new areas to focus, I can build a channel, an ecosystem around it, and I can enable and I can engage and I can do all the things necessary, all those hundred things that we do in our programs to get that ecosystem around that customer and to earn one seat of those five, two, three seats maybe uh, in the best case scenario of the five, so that when they reach vendor selection, they've talked about us enough that we're going to win the deal. We're an assumed layer of that seven layer cake in the average cloud deal. So I've talked in the past about this trifurcating channel, whereas channel marketers, we spent 39 years in the middle. We focus on transactions and gold, silver, bronze programs and revenue and profit and customer set. Well, this is blowing up because ecosystems aren't based on that. In fact, of all those new partners, millions coming in, 80% of them are non-transacting partners. And they're going to help us in that early journey, which is that influence channel. And here you see a number of business models that are different than the way you would have thought about business models in the past. And then many of our companies are converting to subscription and consumption models, embedded and white labeled models, alliance type of models. So the transaction itself is only the first 30 days with the customer. Now we have to drive adoption of our product to get the renewal. We have to drive deeper integrations and stickiness to drive that retention. And we have to drive upsell and cross-sell to enrich our contract 
every 30 days forever. So this is different. Now you've got this third channel on the right that's going to be with your clients and customers forever because the customer journey now never ends. And so where you spent all of your time, effort, and money in the middle, building out the people, the processes, the programs, and the technology to drive a channel, now you've got to take a step back and spread it like peanut butter, where a third of the money should probably be going earlier in that journey based on attribution, and a third of that money should be going later in the journey to drive better lifetime value of the customer for your, uh, for your company, which that's what they're measuring now, and those renewal rates to keep them in the high 90s. So our jobs as channel marketers have changed and how we marketing enable these companies and how we sales enable them, how we technically enable them is completely different based on what of the 16 types they are and based on where they show up in the journey. So there's a lot at play here. So let's jump one more. 76% of CEOs, according to Accenture, in every industry, in every geography of every size, think that their current business model will be unrecognizable in five years, 76%. And ecosystems are the number one reason why. This isn't just a technology conversation. Even though every company is somewhat becoming a technology company, it is hitting every industry. Let's talk about the forklift that added an internet of things device that started sending out a thousand data points per second, GPS, the lift, the weight, the temperature, the humidity. Think about all these things, a thousand per second. It went to the construction company, it goes to the builders, it goes to the architects. The whole industry gets lifted up by this data. And in that industry example, you've got this forklift, which if you go to their website, starts to look more like a cloud company. If you look at this chart to the right, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if you saw that on AWS or Microsoft or Google or Salesforce or any of the companies, IBM or SAP or Oracle, you wouldn't be surprised if you saw this anywhere, but you would be surprised if you saw this at a forklift company because they've got hundreds of dealers and they do the marketing with, you know, with, to, through uh, those dealers like they always have, but their future, they're one of those 76% of CEOs who think their future is ecosystems. And the ecosystem for them is 10 times larger than those dealerships. They're out recruiting now 3,000 partners to make this a reality. And if you click one more time on their website, it's the digital ecosystem for everything. It's not about the thickness of the steel. It's not about the size of the tires on that forklift. It's about all of these downstream opportunities that the ecosystem creates. And if they could be the platform, that's how they win in the marketplace versus their competition. And now a word from our sponsor. Do you know who's clicking on your ads? 98% of website visitors never reveal their names. That means 98% of engagements you create are lost opportunities. Introducing Influ2, the first person-based advertising platform. With Influ2, you choose who will see your ads personally and no ad engagements for every person you targeted. Any account is within your reach using popular social media and display networks. Sign up for a demo, power your ABM strategy with Influ2 and get access to troves of engagement data. So ecosystems are different. I talked about driving growth revenue. I talked about profit and customer set. Yeah, those are still metrics, but these are the three metrics that drive ecosystems. You're going to be asked to drive intra-firm value creation and measure it. 
and pay incentives and do all the enablement around it. You're going to be asked to drive network effects. Because when that forklift moves on to Microsoft, Microsoft gets access to the construction industry in a way that they never have before, including all the other players that are going to develop the software and hardware and other things on top of that solution, last mile solution. But it goes the other way. That forklift gets to use Microsoft's massive 400,000 strong partner network and 7,500 new partners every single month to get at new markets that it hasn't been in the past with its dealership network. It goes both ways. And then third is really this co-innovation. One plus one equals three. So if you think about those thousand data points, and if you think about the outcome of building a bigger, better, faster, cheaper building, and you can put together some no-code, low-code type of software, there's some really interesting things that haven't been invented yet. And if you can actually string together and string together the collaboration and the communication to bring all that together and to bring the forklift and Microsoft and partners and ISVs and emerging tech like IoT we're talking about here and start bringing the construction and the builders and architects, get everybody into the conversation, they're going to start to think about repeatable and scalable areas of that project that could solve for every building on the planet. And that's the story of ecosystems. So let's flip now to subscription and consumption models. This is a huge change and we're seeing results of that almost every single day. So I worked at IBM for 17 years and I almost started the same day as Lou Gerstner as the company built 450,000 strong service group. Well, they just jettisoned that entire thing. The remaining IBM is a multi-cloud, hybrid cloud and AI company. That's 100% subscription. Completely different than the company as it's been around for 100 years. Michael Dell before that came out and said all of Dell Technologies, $93 billion, VMware, EMC, everything would become a subscription consumption model and it's accelerated due to the pandemic. If you missed that one, Chuck Robbins at Cisco announced the same thing. You know, you missed that one, HPE, which has been, by the way, driving this for about three years with GreenLake, has now got to the fact where they're gonna do it by next year. We're talking 10 months from now, they're going to be subscription and consumption. These four companies, IBM, Cisco, Dell, and HPE, made up a huge chunk of the client server era during the 90s and early 2000s. That's changing because there's no more products or SKUs. This is every 30 days with the customer forever. And they're all moving into trifurcated modes. And every company, I believe, is moving this direction. And so where the ability to sell a product skew or, or even the basis of distribution goes away and it all becomes a consumption metered model or an embedded model going forward. So I look at the tech stack that sits underneath ecosystems and channels and the 183 companies who drive this. And more importantly, I look at every single one and I look at the roadmap for the next 18 months and try to figure out where the tens of thousands of vendors are going next. So to predict the future is really to predict the underlying technology under the processes and the people and the programs. And guess what? Some of the things that you see there really drive to where companies are going to take this, you know, in the near term. So one of the interesting ways of, of looking at the future is looking through the eyes because we know that ecosystems don't run on spreadsheets. We know that channels don't run on spreadsheets, but a lot of people still do. When it's 10 times larger, there's no way you can do it. 
So from a marketing perspective, this changes how you speak to your channel. How you speak to your channel now is through the lens of a multiplier. And we're starting to see several examples of this now. Salesforce a couple of years ago started talking about for every dollar you sell of Salesforce, there's $4.65 of downstream opportunity. Some of that software, hardware, but 64% of it's professional services. It needs to be installed and implemented and integrated. It needs to be secured and compliant. There has to be continuity and data. You know, think about all those long-term 17 other tech services. Well, they break it down to the decimal point. And for a partner, you stop thinking about selling Salesforce and earning, you know, 30% on the deal plus three to 5% kickback for volume rebates and MDF and other things. And you start to think, how can I sell a dollar for every dollar Salesforce sells? How can I sell $2 for every dollar they sell? at 75% margin. So now Google Cloud is $5.32. Microsoft has every one of their products between five and $9 where the channel can succeed. I think all 10,000 technology companies are going to come out with their multiplier, showing their channel, not what the margin is on the deal or how they can participate from resale. As resale starts to change, it's gonna show them a pathway of where they can build skills and practices and go and sell $2 for every dollar that you earn. So we get into this layers of the cake. So today we know that the average cloud buyer buys seven things. So they might buy Salesforce you know, at the first level, but they buy six other things on the app exchange. And the connective tissue between all of that is the ecosystem. You know, They've got seven things they're buying from a software perspective. There's five partners in there and there's a lot of movement Remember the collaboration, remember the co-innovation, all that stuff becomes the future of channel or ecosystem marketing is how to bring all of that together and enable that to happen. The last thing I want to talk about today is marketplaces. And I'd be remiss if I didn't go here because in the first three months of the pandemic, they grew more than the last 10 years combined. This hockey stick now from a consumer perspective and now a B2B perspective is aligned. So when I said that the future buyer looks a lot like a consumer, we're tracking a lot of this e-commerce growth and directly relating it back to B2B. So we had originally thought that, you know, given these buyers, their affinity for marketplaces, digital marketplaces, you know, where 73% of them find it really convenient. By the way, if you ask millennials who are, you know, going to become the majority in four to five years, it's, higher than this. And if you ask Generation Z, it's even higher than that. We know the future here. We know that subscription and consumption models run on marketplaces. You don't pay for your Netflix, you know, to somebody who comes by your house, your cable person in a white van every 30 days. It's just a consumption model. And by the way, if you go six months without watching Netflix, you probably cancel it. The same goes now for everything. So in a subscription consumption model, and then the future of tech, whether you're talking AI, automation, blockchain, um, internet of things, self-driving cars or drones or quantum computer, everything you look at in the future, 10 to 20 years, isn't a product skew. It's an embedded technology inside a broader solution or inside another product. So in this world of embedded and white labeled worlds, the connective tissue of everything becomes a marketplace. So we had originally thought that 17% of B2B transactions would go e-commerce marketplaces by 2023. Given the pandemic, we're starting to think it might happen this year. 
So if you go look at your own company and look at your top line revenue and go look at all your routes to market, how much of it goes through the channel, how much of it goes through retail, how much of it goes through uh, direct and e-commerce, and now start thinking about 17% of your revenue quickly going to marketplace. And so you're going to probably consider building your own marketplace that serves one of those 35 million or more permutations of buyers, but you're also looking externally. And when you look at an external marketplace, it's indirect sales. It's part of the channel. Whether you participate on the big hyper marketplaces, not only Amazon and Alibaba, but we're talking Amazon for business and Alibaba for business, for B2B. Whether you're working on an industry-specific super marketplace, I predicted 20 super winners for the next decade, for example, in the IT industry. And you can see some of the logos here. And you just know that they're going to gather about 80% of the future revenue. And they're changing a lot. All the executive compensation and sales compensation at these companies have gone towards these enterprise credits. They realize it's not about product selling anymore if there's seven layers of the cake. In these embedded, they're as motivated to sell you as they are themselves on a marketplace when there's credits involved. And the customer loves credits because they consume them. And if they get to a certain level, you know, they can get bigger discounts. So the, the actual economics of all this works all comes back in the connective tissue as channel marketers comes around the marketplace. The services, the software, the hardware, all the product areas come together in one place, allowing the customer to provision and procure and to do all of the elongated things that we talked about in that customer journey in one place. And then on the final part of marketplaces, there are 35 million potential marketplaces. You know, if tomorrow you wanted to go set up a marketplace for mid-sized clinics in upstate New York, HIPAA and high-tech compliant, vetted, validated, qualified, right for them, you know, go at it. I don't think you'll be successful, but I think there are thousands currently of successful niche marketplaces with maybe tens of thousands coming in the future. And here are some of the companies on the right that are behind that. So this is something that was on the back burner a year ago. It should be on your front burner for 2021 in terms of the way you're thinking. So I wanna thank you for uh, spending the time. There's a lot to digest and obviously a lot to dig into underneath each of these. There's very specific um, plays on these trends. When you think about your own company, when you think about your partners and your channel and, and how all this is gonna work, um, there's some you know, very specific things we can get into, but it, it, there's been more change in what we do in the last 12 months than there has been in 39 years. I encourage you to either ask questions or you can follow up with me on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or anywhere else if you've got to double click on any of those numbers, if you wanna grab any of that research kind of behind the scenes, you know, I'm happy to help uh, in any which way. Thank you so much for having me today and I look forward to the rest of the event. All right. I loved this session personally, and it was just super eye-opening to see how the economy changes, evolving buyer journeys, and so many other factors really impact businesses. So I hope this presentation was as valuable to you as it was to me. As always, huge thanks to Jay for always taking the time to really school us on all things channel and partner marketing and ecosystems and all that fun stuff. And of course, thank you to everyone who tuned into today's episode. As always, be sure to subscribe to the pod so you don't miss any new episodes. You can find us on all of the major podcast players out there.
Of course, drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn if you have any feedback or future guest suggestions. I'd be more than happy to hear them. And yeah, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.